0: Brian, um, it's great to see you again. Um, sort of, you you uh, have agreed to come in and talk about a kind of an end of a year kind of roundup as to what's happening with the with the tech sector, the startup sector in Ireland in 2019. So tell us, um, is the uh, the startup baby healthy and and uh, and robust? Or how are we doing? You know, we had the review of the first half funding
1: numbers earlier uh, earlier this year and you know 437 million raised by uh, by over 100 companies that's 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 a pretty good performance um a number of reasonably large rounds but actually probably a better spread than the uh, the the same the same half the previous year and also a better spread from a regional perspective, which I think is, is, is very positive. We saw companies like VivaSure and Galway raising 10 million and definitely more, more of a spread than, than we'd seen in, uh, in 2018. So, so that's, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty positive. And um, I think in terms of the Tech Ireland database, We saw 350 companies or more added to the database this year. We've got 2,500 companies that we're tracking uh, at, at this stage. So that's also a pretty good indication of the overall health of the sector, you know.
0: Okay, so um, uh, so, uh, and certainly we we added numbers in, in Northern Ireland. A lot of no, a lot of Northern Irish companies, a lot of regional companies, because we did a an outreach with the with the Leos around around the country. Um, in terms of sectors and terms of technologies, uh, the big the big numbers this year, uh, kind of in terms of new businesses, are in AI, you know, AR, VR, kind of um, data analytics food tech, I suppose. Um, uh, One sort of change this year is sort of the numbers for blockchain businesses seems to be down. Does that surprise you or what do you think?
1: Uh, I don't think that's surprising, to be honest. I think, unfortunately, we went through a period where there were a reasonably significant number of essentially scam ICOs, you know, uh, companies raising large large amounts of money under ICOs with very, very little uh, kind of substance behind them. Uh, Together with that uh, we also saw significant reverses over the past while in the value of uh, virtually all of the major cryptocurrencies and I think a lot of broad skepticism about cryptocurrency which has kind of fed into the broader blockchain ecosystem and and I think it it has fed skepticism about blockchain as a technology platform. You know personally i think that's probably uh, overplayed uh, there probably is an extent to which blockchain is, is still a technology in search of a problem and the, the really really strong use cases haven't emerged yet but you know from a personal perspective i'd actually be long blockchain in Terms of uh, some some very interesting potential applications there, and and short cryptocurrency, but but I think the the kind of the issue around scam ICOs and. And the valuation of uh, of cryptocurrencies has definitely fed into negativity towards towards blockchain in the past year or so so i'm not um, i'm not frankly surprised by that
0: yeah and, and uh, so, so far this year over 50 million into ai 70 million into iot the uh, internet of things type of businesses again surprise any surprises there no
1: i mean i suppose ai a and, and iot are certainly probably the two hot tech trends of the moment um you know i i think we may uh, we we may see a little bit of an ai winter at some stage because i think unfortunately whenever a tech trend like this emerges, a lot of companies kind of jump on the bandwagon with, uh, with with claims in relation to AI when when perhaps they're you know really just a, a fairly standard enterprise technology company with a very small amount of AI technology, if if, if any, and. That tends to lead to a sort of a period of cynicism uh, a, a little later on. So so we we may see that emerge over the over the next while, but again, uh, you know, more broadly speaking, I belong AI technology, and I think there are sort of some some fundamental uh, technologies emerging um you know Gra- graphcore which is a, a uk company but one of my former portfolio companies i think has you know developed technology that's really going to drive ai forward over the next number of years so i'd be i would be positive on the the, the, the long term future for ai technology
0: and in terms of uh, of acquisitions this year i mean there've been some f- kind of significant acquisitions in the last in the last while and things stand out for you?
1: Yeah, they seem to have been kind of heavily stacked towards the back end of the year, which uh, which is probably not unusual, but um, I think there's a few kind of interesting trends that, uh, that, that stand out and also, obviously, a couple of very large transactions like prepaid financial services, uh, an absolutely incredible outcome for the founders there who you know, who built that business pretty quietly. That was a kind of an under the radar business. And I think a lot of people would have been very, very surprised at the uh, at the size of that acquisition. So uh, well, well done to the founders there. Uh, the other thing that we've seen is once again, you know, a company like Corville acquired, which was founded in the year 2000. So it's a, it's, it's, Another nineteen-year-old overnight success story. Mm-hmm. So we we we've seen that picture before. Another thing that I think is interesting is the the acquisition of three D for medical by Elsevier, and I think that that kind of reflects the increasing importance of distribution. Um, I mean, three D for medical has an absolutely fantastic piece of technology. Um, their their products are things of beauty they're uh, they're they're fantastic products but they have to get into the educational space exactly and who owns that market who has distribution in that market El Sevier have that uh, have that distribution and um, I think a lot of second time entrepreneurs i had this conversation with connor murphy uh, the the founder co-founder of dog uh, recently you know he feels that in his first business he was too focused on product and in his new business he's very focused on distribution you know and i think people are starting to realize that great product obviously is is kind of table stakes if you like but you really need to 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 find a way to get your product to market as well. Interesting, yeah. Um, and then finally, on the acquisition side, I think there there's another very interesting trend and a pretty positive trend, which is Irish companies growing by acquisition. So uh, AMCS down in Limerick have been effectively executing a roll-up strategy in in their market. Uh, They've made acquisitions this year in both Germany and the United States, and that's very much their growth strategy and involves acquisitions. The other one was slightly different in terms of Tao Glass, who acquired Firmwave. That was more of a tech acquisition than than, than a roll-up of of a successful operating business. Um, It's one of the kind of the rare occasions where one irish company has acquired another and we probably actually need to see more of that you know generating scale in ireland and putting businesses that are complementary together in ireland in order to then scale them more successfully
0: internationally but
1: definitely an interesting
0: trend there very right, good um so we uh we did a survey there in the last in the last couple of weeks and we surveyed the large um, sort of B2B software businesses here in, Ar- in Ireland, successful ones. And one of the sort of the, the surprising things, I guess, is th- when we asked them about Brexit, uh, they didn't seem to think it was going to affect them very much. How, w- w- does that surprise you? Um, I'm surprised that they don't think it's going to affect them.
1: Uh, I, I, I suppose I'm less surprised that they aren't doing anything because I think the great problem with Brexit still is that nobody really knows what form it's going to take and it's very very difficult to prepare yourself for, for something that's so Ill- ill-defined you know. Um, I'd be slightly worried by the perception that it won't affect them uh, especially because I think it's highly likely that while the UK may come to some form of uh, frictionless trade agreement in relation to goods, there's a very good chance that services will be excluded from any frictionless trade agreement and that services will actually become you know, subject to, to, to some form of tariff regime or something of that nature. And of course, most... Uh, software businesses in particular, but an awful lot of technology businesses generally now are, are delivered as a service and may well be impacted by uh, uh, by, by Brexit related changes. So I'm I'm kind of surprised that people.
0: Are are not more worried about it. let despite let's it the that best way. efforts of Enterprise Ireland and Intertrade, who have put a put a lot of effort into into educating the general public, and and I suppose uh, I guess maybe the technology sector is is harder to access. Is it? I don't know. Um, harder to access,
1: uh, probably. There has been a little bit less talk about the specific implications on the uh on the technology sector. Um, I mean the potential implications for Irish agriculture have been very very well uh, uh covered in media and so on. Um. So so I think there's probably been less less of a public conversation let's say about the implications for uh, for services businesses and there's also perhaps a perception that because these businesses are if you like uh, involved in a, a, a digital product that doesn't need to be shipped by road isn't going to have to deal with, with customs kind of customs forms that uh, uh, at ports and that kind of thing that in some way it's it's kind of it's, it's it's above all these problems um if if only it were so simple you know i i, I can I can think back myself to the days when, for example, uh, exporting a software product to Brazil was an absolute nightmare. You had to deal with you know, w- withholding taxes uh, in Brazil and, and things of that nature, and, and it's quite conceivable that, that, that there might be similar issues to deal with in, uh, uh, in, in, in a post-Brexit
0: scenario. Um, so the, the the multinational scene seems to be, you know, powering ahead. Lots of recent announcements in terms of the interna- multinationals. Anything strike you as significant there? Well, firstly,
1: absolutely right. There's been a, a continued high rate of activity um and not just in Dublin but you know you've got security risk advisors establishing the european hq in kilkenny um artisan bio solutions in waterford so uh, a pretty good regional uh, regional spread al- albeit probably focused on the larger re- regional uh, cities and towns rather than the the, the the smaller uh, the smaller cities um i think it's very encouraging obviously to see for example why huawei open a, a new center in dublin uh, which is very much hardcore R D focused you know they're going to be doing mm. uh, research there in ai sentient sentiment analysis and uh, human computer interaction so um encouraging to see uh, an organization like that doing doing re- real research here here in Ireland the other one that uh, that's, that that you couldn't really um not mention you couldn't fail to mention is obviously the enormous investment by Intel in uh, an additional fab in, uh, in Leakslip, a total investment of, of 8 billion. Um, I mean, in spite of the success of Ireland over the past few years, that's an absolutely enormous investment. And the great thing about it is that it's also an incredibly sticky investment. When you, when you build a fab... You're there for the long haul. That's that's not something that you shut down on a whim or, or, or can easily relocate anywhere else. So it's it's kind of important for us to have these really really sticky, uh, um, foreign direct investment uh, events happening. You know, so definitely a a very a very positive year from an FDI perspective
0: as well. Um, the other the other uh, I guess project that you've been involved in recently is scale ireland i mean that's and that's very much in the same startup scale up space have you anything to say about that the developments there well i think it's
1: it's it's been
0: it's been a great year for 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 scale
1: ireland uh i think for many years the startup and scale up sector has been badly represent represented from the perspective of kind of interaction with government um, and, and that's, and that's natural in the sense that by definition, the startup and scale up se- sector is, is very, very fragmented. I mean, we mentioned earlier on the 2,500 companies that, mm. that are in the Tech Ireland database. Uh, so so it's it's very it's it's difficult to create a coherent voice for those companies especially given that so many of them are very small and so many of them you know may not be around next year but equally we've got 350 new ones so so building a structure to effectively represent that cohort of companies uh, is difficult um i'm delighted that we've got kind of scale ireland up successfully Mm. um delighted that we're cooperating so effectively with tech ireland and i think one of the things that we're particularly keen on from the perspective of scale ireland is that the policy recommendations that we make are evidence-based and in order for that to be the case We need a strong database of, you know, a database of innovation in Ireland that that we can use to establish baseline data and and trends to to inform policy recommendations. The, The other thing that I think has been very encouraging is that we've got very, very strong engagement with government already, Uh, We participated in five separate consultation processes. We met the principal officers responsible for all of the key tax heads. Uh, We met the Minister for Finance's senior advisor. We met the minister himself. So we've had very, very good uh, engagement. And while some aspects of the budget were obviously disappointing, you know nonetheless, I think both on the keep share option scheme and the EIIS investment scheme, we did make real progress. We got some important technical changes on keep and a significant increase in the limits on EIS uh, plus a reversion to the the situation which previously existed where the full tax relief was was given in the year of investment. I think that's a pretty positive change in terms of making the scheme more attractive and hopefully will drive more capital
0: into early stage Irish companies. And speaking about sort of driving more capital, I mean, another, as I guess, finding if this year is the broadening of the investor sort of base into, you know, later stage stage businesses. I mean, that seems to be pretty encouraging, is it?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a trend uh, globally for, to, towards uh, to, towards a globalization of the capital markets, especially for later stage deals. I mean, increasingly, if you're raising more than, say, 10 million, you can go to, if you like, a global capital market rather than, uh, a, you know, a, a, an Irish uh, capital market. I do think we need to be a little bit careful, however, Um, you know, for a lot of the large American funds, they see Europe as a price arbitrage opportunity, They're, they're operating in a market that they believe has become quite expensive and we've we've seen some valuations reverse mm. uh, pretty quickly when they came to the public markets over the past the past while so, so they're looking for they're bargain hunting here is that they're, what you They they're they're bargain hunting yeah there's definitely an element of bargain hunting mm. and you know that that tends to be transient you mm. know mm. so i don't think i i i think from a european perspective we really need to build a strong local capital market that's capable of providing large amounts of capital—not tens of millions, hundreds of millions—to uh, European businesses to enable them scale up based on European capital sources, rather than expecting, you know, U- U- U.S. and global capital to always fill that gap. So, you know, a i i think that's that's important we it's great to see Greylock and kleiner perkins and sequoia all making irish investments in the past year that's that's absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic and and by the way the businesses that they've invested in are incredibly interesting uh businesses uh, both both, uh, both up, upmost and and ever vault actually also an interesting contrast, by the way, on the one hand, in Evervault, you've got, you know, 19-year-old Shane Curran. Uh, on the other hand, in Utmost, you you have um, Henri O'Toole, one of the sort of veterans like myself, and, and, and indeed Paddy Benson, who's a, a another veteran, so so two... two, two uh, two founder teams at far ends of the spectrum in terms of, of age and experience if you like uh, great to see the, those investments coming in though but, but it doesn't get us off the hook in terms of building a strong European
0: capital market to support uh, European businesses. And so what's the what's the key ask then if as you head into the the roaring 20s as it were um, what's a What's the request for the tech cent- sector in Ireland?
1: So I think that the the two you know the two biggest problems remain access to talent and access to capital. You know and uh, so so if I had to pick just two things, it would be significant further re- reform of the keep share option scheme, further improvements mm-hmm. to that and further improvements to the IIS uh, investment scheme. Um, I'd I'd also like to see more from Europe in terms of developing uh, the the European ecosystem. I mean, for example, one simple thing would be a pan-European share option structure that would operate across all eu countries it doesn't have to be taxed in the same way in every country so you're not necessarily interfering with the the ability of the individual jurisdictions to set their own taxation rates but just being able to have one scheme that would actually work for all your employees in all european countries would be a significant help Uh, i'd also like to see more in terms of, you know, facilitating the creation of large pan European funds that can deliver those 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 kind of, you know, really big capital injections to scale up European businesses.